This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Recollections Radio. Monday morning tea time is now all about sharing memories with you, old and new, of life in Dunedin. Bringing you stories, interviews and music from times past and inviting you to share your memories with us. Presented by Jill Bowie and Kay Mercer, the team behind Dunedin Public Library's Scattered Seeds Archive. Thanks to generous funding by the New Zealand Libraries Partnership Project. Recollections Radio, Monday mornings at 11 on 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Hello and welcome to Recollections Radio episode 3. We're back. We're back. You can't get rid of us. We we love this show and we've had such wonderful feedback. We've had some really good leads actually, which is really crucial for us um, for information and uh, exciting stories for our archives. It's so, so great. It's like being a little detective. It is. Being, it is. Like, it is. And... and just to meet all these wonderful people we've been meeting. So great. Oh, and we've been out on, getting on the road and yep. yeah, hanging we, out with people in Middlemarch. We are reaching out to the world, it's, well, to Dunedin at least, <laughs> <laughs> which is our world. We're happy with that. Um, so what have we been up to this week? It's been another busy week, of yes. course, as always. Um, we went to Middlemarch, didn't we? Yes. We did. Yes, we, we met with uh, Priscilla from Priscilla. the Middlemarch Museum and spent the afternoon with her, which was a total delight I had no oh, idea yes. it was such a great place that place is amazing because you look at it and it's it's the old Masonic Hall in Middlemarch and you look at the outside and you think oh this is this is cute this is, is a cute a, wee museum just a little museum little museum you walk in and then Priscilla opens all the doors uh, and and it goes into another room which is like even bigger and then to another room and then it ends up in a railway carriage. It's like the TARDIS. It's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. And it's so beautifully laid out. It All is. All the it's stories very are very well done. So Yeah, hats great. off to them. Yeah. It's a great museum. A beautiful job. And I mean, just the day itself was amazing. Middle yeah. March was gorgeous. But and yeah. we had lunch. We, had we, had, lunch. we got there a wee bit early and we had lunch at... Um, the Kissing Gate. Kissing Gate. Kissing Gate Cafe. Beautiful. And I recommend it because they've um, really done the place up actually and they've enlarged the garden. So we were able to sit in their lovely um, vegetable garden, the cottage. Surrounded by sweet peas. Sweet peas and food. lettuce and just, oh, it was a beautiful food. It was great. We had the best southern sausage roll. Yes. You could wish amazing. for, which was huge. <laughs> <laughs> and we had one each. Um, and, and you made me, made me eat some raspberry shortcake, which. Um, and very, very good coffee, yeah. I have I to think say. it was worth it, though. It was worth but apart from it. that, we did go visit the museum. Yes. So. <laughs> we had a job and we stuck to it. <laughs> we did, and we had a lovely chat with Priscilla um, about the possibilities of, um, you know, what can be done as far as digitising some of their material mm. to make them available elsewhere. And how do we capture stories and maybe we could go out and exactly. you know, spend some time with the locals and exactly. capture some stories. And while we were there, we got chatting about some of the projects that we're working on for the archive, and we were talking about... Um, your pet project, the dance hall project. I love the dance halls. And with which, and this is how serendipitous our job is, it leads us into other conversations. Priscilla mentioned that a gentleman who lives in Ranfurly now um, used to go to the dance halls in... Olverston. Olverston. And we didn't know about those, did we? And I can't imagine. You know, every time you go to Olverston, it's so beautiful. But to think of it as a living place where the ropes are down and mm. you can be just sitting on the furniture and I'd love to hear more stories of that because it must yeah. be really wonderful to to experience it. Imagine music. Mm. And I mean, they do have events 
Yeah, they all listed now. Because once it was a home, it was somebody's home, and they lived there, and they had social occasions, and and apparently they used to have dances. I know. So we'd love to know more about those, and we will be following up with the gentleman in Ranfurly soon. Yes, Um, I think they do coffee in Ranfurly too, so that's good. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, we can find some somewhere. (laughs) But that's how serendipitous things are with um, with what we do. So um, yeah, if any of what we say today, or any any of other our other shows, prompt you. Um, with a memory that you'd like to share with us, please do get in touch and I'll do the number because you always forget. It's 03 474 3690 or you can email us at library at dcc.govt.nz or just pop into a library and talk to a librarian and they'll put you in, they'll put you in touch with us. So um, come and find us is the answer. We'd love to hear your stories. We love, we love collecting these memories. It's a great part of our job. And one of the other things we were kind of thinking about this week was uh, people going out in the oh, city. All those beautiful and clothes in the museum, the yes. white gloves. and the, Oh, it's just fabulous. Yeah, and people, people used to dress up. Yeah, just to go out or even just to go into town. And I, I remember seeing photos of my grandmother with one of her friends and in the octagon. And that was the thing you would dress up to go to town and there was a photographer based in the octagon wow and uh and i'd love to get a collection of those photos because i'm sure you know because the way the octagon changed as well just things in the backgrounds of those photos are always really interesting yes it's the people are interesting yeah what they're wearing is interesting but also what's going on around them is fascinating yeah imagine if you had you know, we could start a little archive, a digital archive of yeah. the octagon and the people who mm. had their photographs taken. And even who was the photographer? Like, was there a company that took oh, those yeah. photos? That would be good to know. Because you know? often the, the company would have their little, um, their little signature logo. or logo on the, on, mm. the, on the photo. So we might be able to track down who yeah. they are. Because we are librarians and we can find this stuff out. So we we'd, we'd, we'd be delighted to help you with your quest. <laughs> um, so apart from uh, the old... And, um, dance halls and things, of course. Uh, people still dressed up in the 90s, I believe. They did, they did. I was uh, walking down Retro Street this morning and I thought, you know, how Retro Street has changed. Like it used to have, you know, um, takeaway stores and restaurants. And I remember uh, there was a place called the Camel Club in the 90s. It was a karaoke bar. And above that was the Taipei nightclub. And I remember hearing stories of. I it think sounds it was very ro- exotic, I have it to does, say. doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember hearing stories about the Rolling Stones going up there after one of their shows when they were in oh, Dunedin. Wow. And then, so there was Retro Street, but also Lower High Street was another another great place for nightlife. And oh, because yeah. there was Club 118 at the Southern Cross, and then there was uh, Club Nouveau, which was very fancy, at uh, upstairs on High Street, sort of above where Taste Nature is now. And then... There was the jailhouse, so and then that the jailhouse where everybody rocked. Yes. Well, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they totally did. Yeah. So, but that I mean that whole street has changed. So I'd love yeah. to see if anyone has photos of you know Retro Street or High Street because mm. I'd like to know what they actually looked like in the daylight. Yeah. Because I suppose I was always there. And that would have been the disco era, presumably, was it? No, no, that was kind of nineties. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so disco had um, gone. Yeah, definitely. All right. Disco had gone. Did they have live bands? The, uh, the jailhouse, they did have live bands. Ah. Yeah. Elvis? 
possibly not. <laughs> Unless he was in disguise. Oh, could be. You never know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, fascinating. So apart from that, um, you went to Port Chalmers, didn't I did. you? Mm. I went to Port Chalmers this week and uh, and I just took some photographs and hung out with the library and yeah. you know, the staff there and we talked about the archive and, you know, if people wanted to, you know, come and tell them stories and then yeah. we might do a roadshow out there and yes, the other we're, we're definitely we're meeting up with the um local community board in port Chalmers, the harbour community board um at the end of march so um yeah. hopefully we'll be talking about our taking our yeah. roadshow out to port Chalmers and surrounds with our digital scanning unit a as we mobile call it. unit a mobile unit <laughs> it sounds very grand but it really is it goes in the back of the car <laughs> So yes, we're hoping to come to Port Chalmers. So you be prepared and get your stories ready and get, yeah. get all your collectibles and memorabilia. I can't say that word. Memorabilia ready for us, please. We'd love to hear your stories. Um, and the other thing we've been working on this week is we're progressing our virtual theatre project, mm. which is our concept that um, there are many, many theatre groups in Dunedin. We are very blessed to have so yes, many amazing. wonderful um, artists, visual artists, um, and performers. And playwrights. And playwrights. Oh, goodness, yes, the yeah. playwrights too. And so brimming with talent. Um, no wonder we're city. a city of literature. Exactly, exactly <laughs> why we are a city of literature. But um, it, we wanted to give them uh, a home to put, uh, to take care of um, their memories of their productions from past time. So um, any posters they've had of, of past productions, any programs, programs notes, photos. Um, rehearsal photos. Mm. Um, oh, Sets, images of sets. yeah, uh, anything that they want to um, preserve that we would love to be able to share with the rest of the world, um, and just to show what a great place Dunedin's theatre exactly. and how creative the city is. Absolutely, yeah. So we're calling it a virtual theatre, um, and right. we would love for you to join us. So we're meeting a couple of theatre groups uh, in the next week, um, and we've actually been talking to Cindy Diver from Wow Productions. Yes, um, and she's been doing some amazing well not she, they have been doing with Cindy's help, have been doing some amazing things during lockdown the last, coming up for two years I think, is it two years? Yes, yes two years, been, gosh um, just some incredible work um, just to keep people resilient um, and that is a the theme of a play that they have performed an actual, it's a, an online play um, it takes place in a lounge so originally it was part of the Fringe Festival yes. and it was uh, performed in one of the, an empty shop frontage yeah. uh, just down just at the top of Princess yeah. Street. And, uh, part and of the dream they, brokerage yes. type things, yeah. Yes, and then they've filmed it in a studio now yeah. and then they've given us permission to play yeah. it. And it's a very simple play and it's really, uh, it, it, it's really quite um, emotional. Yes. There's, there's no dialogue, well, hardly a few words, mm. um, but it's just the uh, the experience of the before, the during um, yeah. of lockdown, and just and how that affects one small family. Yeah, yeah. just sit in the in a simple kind of lounge yeah. setting. It's very effective. Very cool. And the reason I mention it is because um, Wow Productions have very generously allowed us to screen that um, on our cube. At City Library, so if you come along to City Library, you'll be able to see that performance happening. Um, it just is on rotate, so if you hang around for long enough, you yeah. will get a chance to see that. It's quite a short play, 
Um, but well worth seeing. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, so it's good. brilliant. It's um, and even more generously, uh, WOW Productions have, will be contributing that to the virtual theatre. So that will be one of the performances that take place in the virtual theatre. And what a great way to start our virtual theatre with something like that. Oh, it's amazing. To this time. Amazing. <laughs> and, and fabulous production company. And we wish them all the very, very best for the future. Um, I'd like to play a song now, if you oh, don't mind. Good, good. Is that all right? Go for it. Uh, this is uh, the theme from Lawrence of Arabia. Ooh, lovely. Mm.
oh, the sweeping theme from Lawrence of Arabia there. Now, we've been uh, mentioning many times on previous shows how we're quite interested in the fact that a lot of people will have met and become a family as a result of going out to places in Dunedin. Um, While well, we were still, you know, able to go out and yes. do all those kind of things. Well, I mean, socialising was, was a thing. Yes, yeah. before people started meeting online. That's and, right. You know, that's right. To meet so back in, back in the good old days when you could go out um, to dances or cinemas, mm. or, um, which leads us nicely into uh, today's guest. Yes, so um, I've been talking to um, our good friend Russell Campbell, who was um, a projectionist around the city, and his parents met at a movie theatre. Fabulous. Let's hear what he had to say. So at one stage Dunedin had movie theatres all over the city and sadly now only two remain. So today I'm joined by Russell Campbell to talk about theatres and his wonderful career as a projectionist. Thanks for joining me today Russell, it's always nice to get a chance to talk theatres with you. Any, any excuse is welcome. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so uh, you have a long history with theatres because that's how your parents met didn't they? Yes, indeed. Uh, it was when my late father, Ian Campbell, was a relieving theatre manager from Auckland and uh, at the time my late mother was usherette at the what was then the Grand Theatre and then it later became the Century, where Mum had started in 1936. So somewhere uh, along the line in the uh, late 30s, maybe 1940, not exactly sure when. That happened to coincide when Dad was down here as, as a relieving theatre manager. And uh, at that particular time, the theatre managers used to go to each other's theatre to have a cup of tea in the afternoon and, ch and a chat. And uh, anyway, that's um, how Dad ultimately, when he was at the uh, doing the relief work at the Grand, that he met my mother. And they married in 1941. And then Dad shifted from, at the time, he was uh, had been in Whangarei, and uh, he was appointed manager of the state in Vicargal. And uh, that's where Mum and Dad went in 1941. After, after they were married. I come along in 1944 and uh, then uh, we, uh, that's, so that's how it came about. You're a little, a little movie baby. <laughs> well, yes, well in actual fact as the story goes as told by my mother that um, 1944, I, if my memory's got right, I think that was when Bambi came out. And of course my birthday's in April uh, Bambi was screening at the um, at the state in Vicargo and Mum was standing with me in the shawl and everything at the back of the stalls um, looking at the film. Oh. So I'd only be uh, just a baby then. So that's how... Um, so that would have been the first movie that you kind of saw. <laughs> well, her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so that's that's that doesn't come any earlier than that. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and uh, as a family, we shifted to Gisborne in 1947 to the King's Theatre, and uh, that's when I started school up there. And uh, also because uh, at the latter stage of staying in Gisborne, we were living in an apartment behind the behind the theatre. And my bedroom, or what was really the lounge, opened out onto a courtyard that was at the back of the King's Theatre projection room. <laughs> so uh, when uh, Colin Felwick 
the relief projectionist came to um, do the holiday work for uh, the no normal projectionist, um, uh, Mr. Allen, uh, he let me come in and have a look in the projection room. And oh my goodness, if 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 you're looking for why some things happen, I think the interest was sparked then because it was all quite exciting mm. because um, of the atmosphere of the uh, uh, what what went on in the um, projection room. Because what was the sound like? Could you hear like? Yeah, I could. I could hear the sound, and I subsequently found out uh, that the film was Annie of the Indies. <laughs> uh, so there was the colour, the sound, smell of the oil, mm. the movement of the projector, everything going to to a young boy of about seven. <laughs> this is pretty exciting. What did you say? Yeah. And, uh, so a, a projectionist was born from that I, moment. I would think so. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's that's probably how it all started. Mm. And then uh, we all moved back here to Dunedin in 1953. Oh. And uh, that was when uh, Dad got to be friends with the projectionist at the state, Jim Solomon. And anyway, that was... Um, how I late, later on, uh, when I was at high school, during I was able to go into the projection room in the Saturday morning when um, the Chums Club was on and I could wind the film and I learned an awful lot mm. how to thread up his standard projectors, uh, wind, winding film, all, all these other things that, that would had to be going on, it's all behind the scenes, it's nothing, nothing to do with the audience, this is just normal. Because I suppose it's, I mean, it's an opportunity that, I mean, how many kids would get that opportunity to, to be involved up and well, be trusted up and... Well, yeah. I, to be in the projection room uh, like that was actually illegal. Oh, <laughs> oh so I, I, none. <laughs> yes, it, it was then. And it was only because probably it was the time of day Chums Club, mm. and uh, it was all under the control of Jim, so he, he had the last say and mm. everything anyway. So there was there was nothing silly going on. The Chums Club was quite interesting because I've heard Chums Club talked about quite often. So was it just well, the, school the, kids? Well, it was yes for school children. Mm. There were two. Kira Jodian had what Sir Robert Kerridge called the Young New Zealanders Club. Well. That used to be at the old St James and High Street, but uh, that's a bit before my mm. time, so I, I never experienced that because when I came back here in uh, 1953, that didn't. Ex the mm. Young New Zealanders Club wasn't going in Dunedin then; it was only the Chums Club. So the Chums Club was it just a time of the day that you would turn up on a Saturday? So, so it would be 10 o'clock Saturday morning and what it would be would be uh, an exciting film. You, in those days westerns were very popular, mm. probably more than anything else actually. So you would have a, um, a western on that had probably been part of a double feature and uh, so that would be one screening of that. You may have two or three cartoons and then uh, you'd have the big event would be the serial. <laughs> Uh, usually from Columbia Pictures, 15 episodes over 15 weeks, each with a cliffhanging ending. Brilliant. And uh, that's how you drag everybody back I was going to say, 
return customers every week. <laughs> and uh, you had a loyalty card of t- t- uh, 10 clips, and uh, then you had the lucky birthdays where um, the ch- uh, a, a school child with um, a birthday would get a piece of cake <laughs> and a free seat or something. So you were treated a bit uh, like a family. Parents must have loved that, being able to well, ask was, their kids to go somewhere safe and entertain them well, for a morning. They, di- they didn't mind really mm. because at that stage, sport hadn't really taken over oh. to the extent that it did later. Mm. So the Chums Club, I'm not actually sure when it started, but it, it was probably running sometime after the end of the war mm. it was started up. And and that was right through New Zealand. They had the Chums Club. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so that was. Uh... So as a as a projectionist, I've always thought you're kind of in a dark room all of the time. Yeah, you must not know what's going on at the weather. You must come out not knowing if it's raining or sunny. Well, or... That, it would be true about the weather because you are in a. Uh, so if you if you take for instance the Regent, that that that's a sealed room. Mm. So. Uh, you uh, were oblivious to the weather, and it, it's it it is only darkened down, so as you're not getting the light out mm. into the auditorium. But the lighting is subdued, mm. so you, you'd ha- you'd have an area where uh, there's, there's more lighting where you can actually do other work, mm. like over the rewind bench. You needed a a concentrated light. And things like that. But yeah, because I think everyone has a, a vision of yeah, you just putting the film on, letting it run, and you just sitting and watching the film. But does it change every? Is it twenty minutes? That this... Well, that that would be the twenty-minute reel would equate to two thousand feet. But m- m- most films ran somewhere between eighteen and twenty mm. minutes. So every every twenty minutes, or a shorter time from that, you'd be getting the next projector. Ready, ready, and then you would have to, um, de- depending on whether the uh, the film was physically dirty, uh, you you might have to wipe down the gate again. So if it's like that, and that can actually happen on the f- especially at a place like the Regent on the first handful of screenings because of the wax that's on the new print of film. So you had to get rid of any surplus mm. wax that's on the gate and the film mechanism because if that hardens then that ultimately then will go back and uh, scratch the film so so you had to make sure the gate was clean mm. so, but normally that wasn't a really yeah. a really big problem but uh, especially with a new release uh, like you had at the uh, top theatres, the one thing you didn't want would be any any uh, scratching on a brand new print. No. So uh, that's where you'd take care with the um, the film cleaning, uh, sorry, the cleaning of the uh, head of the projector, etc. So by the time you've done that, and then you've put the new carbons in the arc to get you through another twenty minutes. And then you go back and wind the previous reel back. You've um, you've probably only got between five and eight minutes maybe left. Exactly. And I was thinking, you know, we were talking about before about the cues on the screen. So people will probably remember that little round oh, circle at the top yes, right well, inside. You, you made an observation. You never forget. Well, how true? Yes, the first, the top right hand corner 
is the first set of cues. That's when you start the incoming projector and that's what a lead is for that you've probably uh, heard about on films. So you start the projector on the first cue. It's a set of four cues over four frames. Eight seconds later there's the changeover cue and that's when you change from one projector to the other and hopefully it'll be seamless. No, no, no thing. But I didn't realise the sound was separate as well, so you've got to manage that yes, at the same you do. time. Although um, with the new equipment like the simplexes that we had at the Regent, we, when you changed actually over, it was picture and sound together. So much easier. The, the only thing that you've, you had to remember was that you've got a dowser that lets the light through from your light source. Well, and what the area I'm talking about with carbon arcs, you get the projector up to speed, then you've got to open up the dowser to let the light through, but the light's only going so far because it's being blocked mm. by the shutter. Then when you do the changeover, you just push the button at the regent and the picture and sound, it's done together. Seamlessly, because there's nothing worse than the sound out of sync. <laughs> oh yes, yes, there's, um, you certainly wouldn't want that. No. <laughs> so the um, Dunedin had beautiful sort of ornate cinemas. Um, do you have a favourite cinema from the old days? Well, I've, I've actually all all three of those top cinemas, but I've got likings for them. For, for different reasons. The Regent is uh, is really a, in a class of its own and uh, it's uh, absolutely like a, an English palace. It's, it's uh, absolutely lovely and uh, having, re having remembered it from its heyday when I used to go down as part of my training and do, do a few screenings there with Basil Goebel because uh, I was doing my training actually at the Embassy Theatre. So uh, Occasionally, though, we'd uh, David Potter, who who sadly died just recently, he uh, he would go round to the embassy, and then I'd go down to the region just to do a few sessions on a different equipment, and uh, it was like a magical world. And then, of course, when I was working at the St James Theatre as an assistant projectionist, the lighting displays that you could do there on that beautiful old proscenium, mm. uh, the lovely waterfall curtain. And I remember the biggest thrill I got as a young lad, and it wasn't probably until years later when uh, I'd got older, I realised what, a, what a, um, a challenge it should have been for me. But what had actually happened, and I don't, I don't know the full reason for everything, but my chief, Alex Nisbet, he probably was on holiday. And anyway, what happened, the projectionist at the Regent was Basil Goebel. He could come up and do the 2 o'clock and the 5 o'clock at the St James, but he couldn't do the 8 o'clock. He had to go back to the Regent. Well, the manager of the, uh, of the St James was Harry Worrell, who in his former life back in the UK had been a projectionist for ranks. So they had to get permission from the union because I wasn't legally able to do it. The Internal Affairs Department <laughs> and of course had the full backing obviously of head office. 
for one screening only no. that, I, that I had to go through all that, well not me personally but the management had to go through that rigmarole Just because, for one? Because it was a, it was a city theatre I had a uh, an assistance license, which oh. didn't cover anything to do with this, to work on your own. So, but this was a one-off exception, was sometimes granted for certain reasons and whatever. See, the movies must happen. That's the thing. Well, it was uh, th- there were there were diff- there were different reasons, and the fact the very fact that the theatre was going to be full, I didn't know mm. at the time. But there were fire regulations that were strict, being strictly enforced. Mm. So um, they had to be particularly careful mm. then. Although the days of nitrate film had finished, mm. this was safety film, but they uh, were extremely conscious of... Um, not, you, you, you wouldn't want to do anything. No, and I suppose, I mean, you could... What was the maximum amount of people that you could have in those theatres. Well, right. at that particular time, the, the St James's uh, ha- had cut the seating back to, uh, I think it was 2,100. There's a lot of people to try and get out of the theatre at once, isn't it? So you want to be very And careful. as I found out later, the theatre was full that night. Mm. So that even to today, that's the biggest audience I've ever, oh, sc- really? I've ever screened to. Yeah. But to be doing that as a, a youth of um, maybe 18, that's... Um, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but, but I probably didn't... Yeah, you might not have thought about it. Probably I didn't, under, didn't understand. It was no. the excitement of doing it. And I even remember one of the pieces of music I used was a piece called Southern, Southern Aurora. That was, I think it was Rob E. G. was the... Uh, Guitarist, and that's the tra- that's a train that was actually running in Australia in those days, ah. and they'd made this instrumental version, and I'd use that as the overture. So, did you choose the music before the movies and do the lighting on the yeah yes on the cur- so yes. you could change the lights on the proscenium arches as yeah, well? Yeah, I can do all that. Ah. I'd I'd have the uh, well. I, I just followed what Alec, Alex had always been doing because you'd have the Queen trailer, uh, then there'd be the newsreel, uh, there might have been... Uh, sometimes the St James had the Cine Sound News, uh, that would be once a week, and then once a month you'd have the pictorial parade from the National Film Unit in Wellington, and then there might be a general interest film and trailer, mm. and then it would be... Um, the interval. So, uh, the, and then everyone would go out and have a, have a cigarette, and then come come all back in and um, see the film Geronimo. And uh, when I found out later that was it was at a full house, I was a bit amazed. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that was something that I never ever forgot. <laughs> so, what on a Saturday night? What time would you finish? Well, you you finished essentially maybe about ten minutes, quarter of an hour after the film's finished. Because what time was that? Were they quite early? So, so if the film film finished at ten thirty, mm. say, you, you'd be out of the you'd be out of the building by twenty two. Right. So was it like one of those jobs? You know, a chef. Yeah, they they find it hard to kind of wind down after a big shift. Did you find that? Or? Well, now that that's interesting that you should ask me that, because. I've never had that trouble of winding down. Mm. Generally speaking, I know there have been instances where um, it's just been that sort of day. Mm. 
that things have gone a bit cranky but they were so rare that I would actually just go home and because I'd had a cup of tea after interval uh, at the theatre there was no need to have one when I came home because I'd not long had one. I just go straight to bed. Oh, that was okay. I was thinking it might, you know, it might kind of just be thinking about, you know, the busy day that you'd had, and maybe it would be hard to relax after something like that. But I suppose, I mean, you've been being a projectionist for and such then, a long time. And, and, then that, and then that became easier to do once I came out of my time and became qualified. Then I'm working on my own, so I'm working out on my, at my own pace. Mm. It's really just dictated by the film. Mm. So by the time I come home, uh, I'm probably a bit tired. And uh, it's, it's, it wasn't just any effort to uh, just go, go to bed. Sometimes I may have a cup of tea, mm. but no, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to worry about winding down. great we'd just like to thank Russell for um, meeting with me and having a big long chat so yeah, long in fact he's not to... done yet you know We've, this is only part one of the interview um, it was such a great conversation you had with him that we've and I'm uh... so nosy I had many questions to ask <laughs> so I had to I had to stop myself carrying on for longer yeah so we've given Russell a break and he'll come back next week and talk to us again um, and continue the conversation um, but no that was fabulous so such a fascinating life he's had there's something really romantic about theatre projectionists I think I know maybe maybe not when you're doing the job I imagine uh, it's quite stressful making sure the reels are changed over at the yeah. right time and then on a hot day it's probably yeah. quite stressful a lot to think about but he must have loved the job to do it for 60 absolutely. years absolutely yeah yes yeah, great passion. And also, he's very passionate about tea, which yes. keeps me happy. Um, man after my own heart. I'm, I'm sure he mentioned tea about five times in that <laughs> <laughs> um, But he's quite right, you do need a cup of tea. Oh, well, you do. Um, and the film he mentioned, Bambi, is, is his first film that he saw in, in, as a babe in arms. That was my first film oh, as well. It? But not at the same time. I'm no, a little bit younger than him. Um, it must have been re released. I think it was re released um, in the 50s and the 60s, and I saw it in 1967. When okay. I was three years old, three years old, with my family, Beautiful. and uh, I fell asleep. Oh. So I was a bit of a letdown because they <laughs> only went to see it because of me, and I fell asleep. Um, but I actually woke up when Bambi wakes up in the snow. Oh, well, that's quite snow for the first time. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, my first animated feature was uh, Snow White, which was probably re-released, so it would have been seventy-nine, eighty. Uh. And so my mother took me to see that, but my father took my brother and sister to see King Kong. Oh. So that was the the re-release with Jessica Lang in it, and uh, and I was so angry that they got to see King Kong, but actually I would have been terrified. Oh yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like I was really jealous of my my brothers and sisters were quite a bit older than me, and they all got to go to the Wheelie Pop Festival in oh. Essex in the UK, um, and I wasn't allowed to go because I was only about nine. <laughs> And I've, I've been bitter about it ever I know, since. It's amazing that how long you can hold a grudge for, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. especially because we had, we collected, my parents had a grocery store in Alexandra, and so we collected the bubblegum cards that came out. Oh, with. Yeah. Um, so there was a series with King Kong ones, and we also had a series of ABBA uh, cards. No and the, way. Oh, they were fantastic. I've still got them. And there was the photographs of the bands on the front and on the back of the card was a black and white kind of jigsaw so you wow. would if you collected oh, all the jigsaw. cards 
Yeah, so if oh, you collect cool. all the cards, right. Right. you could build this jigsaw. Yeah. And even though my parents had a grocery store, we still never got the full set. Ah, oh, frustrating. We were, we were close, oh, right, now there's your mission. Let's see if we can find the missing <laughs> pieces <laughs> for you, shall we? I'll go, to, I'll go and get the, the whole set yeah. and then see what numbers I'm missing. Yeah. I should totally do that. Wouldn't yeah, that be let's do that. Thing? Let's put the call oh. out, see if any of, any of our <laughs> listeners today have the pieces. Be a dream come true. Be a dream. <laughs> and uh, the Spot On Club you were telling me about? What was yes. that? So Spot On was a, a TV series for sort of kids in the 70s. So Ian Taylor was one of the hosts and oh. Danny Watson. It was a cool show. Yeah. And uh, and they had a Spot On Club. And when I was at home uh, a while back, I found the little certificate because it kind of, they had a wee dog as kind of like their mascot. I think it was a dog or a bear. Um, <laughs> Something Hard like that. Tell. It was very cute. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I need to get that digitised. But mm. yeah, does anyone else have... That would be great to add that to the archive, wouldn't it? Because it? it's still part of the story, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I just sort of think... Pop culture. What That's else something we, we do? haven't thought about, yeah. Yeah, just those kind of... and Because, I mean, people might not have collected it. I mean, it would have been very important to have. Hey, you know who we should club. get on this show? Who's that? Martin Phillips. He's got a massive pop culture collection. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a really big collector. Because he's got toys and things. He has. And he's a Denise Nikon. He is a Denise. Oh, we, we, I wonder if he would talk to us. We'll try. Sure. We'll try, people. <laughs> anyway, I think it's probably time we had another song. I so think should, it should we have is. It? Now, this one is for Russell because he mentions this in his uh, interview there. Um, it's the Joy Boys and Southern Rora.
was the Joy Boys there with Southern Aurora. We hope you enjoyed that, Russell. Yeah, and thanks again for talking to us. Yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, we were chatting in the car going to Middlemarch. Mm. It's a good good place to chat, actually. It is. Um, about this street names project, getting more street names with women's names on them, with significant women who've made a significant contribution to Dunedin. What a great oh, idea. A fabulous idea. And why haven't we done it before? Exactly. <laughs> so I was, it was in the ODT. It was an ODT article. Um, the ODT says, Dunedin Deputy Mayor Christine Gary, a project member, highlighted at a council meeting last week a register of pre-approved street names that developers are invited to choose from. And it continues to undersell the impact women from the region have had. So what they want to do is improve the ratio of women to men on that list because apparently it's more than two to one in favour of women, uh, men at the moment. So, yes, let's think about who, what women should be included on that That's list. Um, I see they've got um, Dorothy Theoman and Shona McFarlane and Ada Fash, and they're all very... library close, connection there. Absolutely, strongly related to the library. Um, Shona McFarlane Shona designed McFarlane. the beautiful... Uh, stained, stained glass, glass window. window we have and so and the ground floor of the city library if uh, yeah just the closest the, the window sort of closest to the civic center yeah. so she designed that it's yeah. beautiful I when the library that. opened 40 years ago exactly yeah. Yeah. um gosh that window's lasted well it hasn't has, it hasn't it's it? had a few <laughs> cracks in it yeah there's been a few yeah. replacements needed yeah, but, but repairs um and ada fash of course was the city librarian yeah for a number of years so um I'd like to walk up Ada Fish Street. That would be quite nice, wouldn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> that would be marvellous. Was she in the city? She was a city librarian. Yes. Yes. Um, but she had been deputy librarian. Actually, yes. what I'm thinking, she 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 was actually in charge of the library for longer than she was city librarian because exactly. she often had to fill in and, and meet that, that role. Well, Mr Dunningham will That's away, right. Well, I Mr, Mr, so Mr Dunningham is around the world doing other things. Doing his important um, work overseas. So, so actually she was behind the throne for a number of years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So definitely needs recognition. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great to think about, you know, how we might contribute to that. And yeah. can we think of any other women uh, that should And be you might have, you know, someone in your life, you know, a significant person that yeah. hasn't been acknowledged. And, yeah, I'd love to find, you know uncover these amazing people yeah. that you know have great stories and you know pioneering people mm. of Dunedin that yeah. have you know never had their stories told and you might have photos dare I say it often and, and I don't mean this um, I'm not an anti-man or anything but often um, that a gentleman would have his name um, on a particular uh, success story but but actually there would have been a team behind him and that exactly. included women who would have That's made significant contributions to it exactly yeah. but due to their station in life of being female they weren't recognized yeah. so yeah let's let's redress that yeah yeah, yeah. rectify that situation now. absolutely yeah. needs to be done um yeah. and actually there's quite a few women on this list that uh i i've not heard of you've not heard of no we'd like to know more about them so um yeah if you if you have a look at the article uh in the odt about that and you know any of the women or you yeah. Uh, we're certainly going to be doing some research and exactly, finding yeah. out what no, we can I, about them. Yeah, because um, I think it's quite a long list of women. It is a long list. Very few of them I had actually heard yeah, of. So there's so. Marianne McCarthy, Doris Lusk, Matilda Lokion, Elizabeth Hines, jo- Joyce Hurd, Marion Hatton, Elizabeth Gunn, Kathleen Gearan, Margaret Ferrens, Ruth Dallas, Mary Cuddle, Cuddy, sorry, and Shirley Corey. 
Elizabeth Batham and Ellen Barningham. Those are the names in addition to those we've mentioned previously. Um, yeah, but there's probably many more mm. who should be uh, should be recognised. Yeah. So. so we could have a, a f- if anyone had a photo of some of these women yeah. that they're related to, and then yeah. we could just have a little biography on the side. Yeah. And yeah so as really well beautiful. as a street name. Uh, which they may or may not get if, if a developer chooses that name exactly. for their development. Um, we will definitely recognise them and, and, and respect the them and honour them in yeah. our archive. And then everyone gets their own little, that's you right. know, little yep. bit of recognition. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll make a virtual street name for you exactly. in, on the archive. So, yeah. so do get in touch if you've got a, a family member or a relative or um, a friend even who, who's done something yeah. you think is significant. It doesn't have to be, I invented the atom bomb. It exactly. could be. Um, they would probably be. What's the It might not be as big as that, but <laughs> but it will be significant to you or, and to perhaps to Dunedin. So we'd love to hear about that story. Um, no, a very exciting thing happened last week. What was that? The library citation. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Finally, um, the library citation is um, it's it's our way, the library's way of acknowledging. Um, volunteers who've made a significant contribution to the library community mm-hmm. through um, their work uh, and, and that the community has benefited for, in some way from what they've done. So and normally it's quite a quiet kind of person who doesn't make a fuss but actually yeah. makes a huge you know, significant impact on the library and the community. And, so. and the, yeah, Dunedin widely, yeah. Um, and normally this would have been presented at our morning tea at Christmas. Yeah. Um, sadly, we weren't allowed to have our morning tea no. last year okay. for, for good reason, yes. um, because of COVID. So we didn't want to put any of our volunteers at risk. They do such an amazing job. We have a huge army of volunteers for the library. But we do thank them nonetheless. We do thank them long, really nonetheless. And them. we'll just make sure you have extra cake yes. this year when we, when <laughs> we, when we do it this Christmas. Um, so uh, what to do about the library citation? We decided to, instead to have a, a very small, intimate gathering at the library this week just gone um, where we honoured this year's recipient so I'm very excited to be able to announce uh, that the this year's recipient is Paul S Allen well deserved well deserved who is he's a, a an amazing photographer he's a hobby photographer but amazing photographer nonetheless he's a musician yes um, he works for civil defense he he looks after us in times of need um, Another quiet yet important oh. person who, you know, yeah. in times of trouble. And boy was he surprised yes. when he got the attention <laughs> <laughs> because he does hide his light under a bushel. Yeah. Um, he's a very quiet gentleman and, and a gentleman in every sense. Really. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the contribution that he's made to the archive is so significant mm. and uh, his collection of photographs is yeah. incredible. Uh, the photographs are beautiful and they really document you know, some really special events in Dunedin's history. Absolutely. Uh, he gives he gives people a voice through his photos, really. That's what he does. He goes along. He gives. He does this all voluntarily. He just goes along to events, and um, particularly the protests and significant um, historical moments in Dunedin's past. And looking past. back through them, you forget so yeah. many things that we had here, mm. you know, and so so special to us but it's yeah. not just he, he went along to the photo it's how he takes mm. the photos they really tell a story his photos he's very yeah. clever um, I like his use of black and white absolutely because it's so truthful isn't it mm. it's something about it um, so very generously he donated his entire collection yes. um, both his artistic collection and his um, 
I don't know, social record, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. um, and that includes events, because he's also, um, as I say, a musician. He's, he's volunteered his time for uh, Music Month for many, many years. Uh, he, as a volunteer, you know, he, he'll roll his sleeves up and, and put electrical cables down. He'll help uh, young musicians and mentor them. Um, he takes the photos for he, publicity. He takes the photos every year. He's our official photographer, um, particularly for the Nook and Cranny Festival. Um, you know, he'll spend all day rushing, literally running around taking photos. Takes thousands yeah. of photos across the and day. And I've I've chased him. I've taken photos of him. I've chased him. He's been playing <laughs> in our lifts, and I've chased him up yeah. and down the lifts. Yeah. Great. Yeah. He's a great man, and and of course he he is a marvelous musician. He writes his own songs. He's constantly writing. Um, he finds that uh, a form of um, mindfulness yes, writing yeah. his music. Uh, he's, he wrote a fabulous song when we had those awful floods in South Dunedin. He wrote um, Rise Again, which is just beautiful. Um, and he's got several albums on the go. So if you do get a chance to listen to him, we've certainly got his albums in the collection. So um, do listen to him. But you can also find him on, um, oh, I forgot what it's called, Bandcamp. Yes, Bandcamp. that's right. Um, and Spotify, I think. Um, so not that we're using Spotify anymore. No. Don't talk about them. <laughs> um, but yes, definitely Bandcamp. Please do support Bandcamp. Um, yeah, so you can you can listen to his music. But he's constantly gigging. He he plays music virtually every day. He's always in a uh, a nice bar somewhere, not yeah. a seedy bar, a nice bar, playing music. Um, and and great to listen to and very uplifting. So uh, anyway, getting back to the citation, <laughs> he was well deserved. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. So we're very, very proud to have been able to present that. Um, and we hope to have him on the show yes. very shortly. Yeah, it'd be nice to chat to him, actually. Yeah, yeah. Find out more about him and, yeah, uh, and yeah. the work he does. So, yeah. Um, we've probably run out of time, I, I think, think we have. as usual. We've, we've gassed quite a long time. Um, next week, again, we've got part two of Russell's interview. So he's going to be talking about some of the more special moments that he remembers. Yes, and some special uh, Film moments in Dunedin's history as well. Yeah, fantastic. So looking forward to that. Um, and of course, we'll be back. Uh, tune in 105.4 FM, 1575 AM, 11 o'clock on Monday mornings for Recollections Radio. If you can't tune in at that time, you can listen to the podcast, which is on oar.org.nz. You can take us home and listen to us you know, whenever you like. Yeah. And <laughs> people have been mentioning that. Uh, They've seen our face all over town, which is a bit scary. And I always great face say that radio, to me, as my mother would say. I think, <laughs> where have you seen it? <laughs> exactly. And it's, it seems to have spread very wide, yeah. and I'm constantly surprised about who has seen it. So, yeah. so that's great. And yeah. then hopefully it'll encourage people Absolutely. to come and, and really what we're about is contacting people who don't do digital Exactly. I know we talk about the archive being digital, but really what we're after is, is we're, we're wanting to talk to you in your homes um, because that's a wonderful way to connect. Exactly. Yeah. So do spread the word if you know people who are at home listening to the radio and they might not have heard the show. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Please yeah. do pass it on. But that's us for now. Done. We'll see you next week. See ya. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.